Well, hey there. I know, what do you want to do? Do you want to have a proper introduction? <laughs> I just banged my elbow on the table. <laughs> this is Lauren Aversaday. Hey, welcome. You found the Inspired Astrology podcast. You're welcome here. This is this is the space. This is the place. And especially in Aquarius season, electricity, vibrational, sound, space, air, all that <laughs> makes a lot of sense to connect in the ethers, to connect in liminal space beyond time. Right. I'm I'm speaking this at 11.27 on Friday, January 20th, 2023. What time is it where you are? When is now for you? How do you access the moment? What really gets you back in your skin and out of your head? How do you turn on, tune in to existence? In front of me, I have a couple votive candles going. I can hear the sound of the heater. My dog's breath, the scratches. I can feel my elbow pulsing. I can feel my new glasses sitting on top of my nose as I'm trying to get used to them. I can feel my mouth. <laughs> I can feel discomfort in my lower back. Why don't you take a moment to scan your surroundings? Okay, you can listen to my voice as you're going about that. And you can have your eyes closed or using what senses that you have access to, whether that's taste or touch, scent, is especially helpful to me. Maybe just feel your breath coming in and out of your nose. Maybe you're a little stuffed up. <laughs> just take a minute, engage. Right? Sometimes just opening your eyes, closing them for a few seconds, opening them back up. All the freshness. I think that's something that we forget. Um, we're overstimulated. And what that means for us in our very overactive nervous system is that we don't have that freshness of right now. Right? Maybe when you think about nowness, you think about being a, a small child, right? Poetry written about looking at raindrops across a window, pain on a stormy day. Maybe you think about hiding under your sheets during a thunderstorm. The smell of your childhood cat. The shag carpet under your feet. Maybe the smell of homemade Play-Doh. Or mac and cheese. We have access to and direct contact with the present. 
Anytime we can slow our minds down long enough to check in, that's hard to do because we're always processing. We're always analyzing, critiquing, labeling, naming. I don't like the word judge, but that's exactly what we're trained to do. What's safe? What's comfortable? What gives us pleasure? What work needs to be done? Aquarius sort of lives in that liminal space. The place between ideas and reality. The ahas. (laughs) The insights. The critique of what's in front of us and seeing what we can do to improve that. What can we do to change, to make things better? My partner, Tree, recently shared an article with me. Um, It was actually a, a scientific journal analysis using... Qualtrics surveys and questionnaires um, over and over again, you know, data collection done on the part of a researcher presenting a concept about change. And it proved that most people are really not happy with the way things are, but not because they're not happy. It's just nice to think about what could be different and what could change. And I know that in this season, as we shift from Capricorn to Aquarius, right? Mercury is still in Capricorn doing its thing as it's just turned direct, which means it's out of a retrograde. Now everything's your fault again. (laughs) And Mars and Gemini, which just turned direct as well. Um, We have a lot of planets now back on course, so to speak. Not that being retrograde is anything abnormal. Um, it's just a more internalized time uh, and how the, those planets reflect in the aspects of our personal psyche. So Aquarius season, we had the sun and moon both conjoin with Pluto, uh, each in their own time in the last couple of days as they've moved through the sky. The sun doesn't move, right? It's the center of the universe, but it's um, the way that Earth is clocked in the sky, right? Like Pluto and Capricorn, the season of the sun in the constellation of Capricorn. It's all relative. (laughs) So Pluto teaches us about power. It also teaches us about our shit. And, you know, Pluto has a connection with Scorpio and the season of fall for that reason, because it's transformation, it's death. We also think about the subconscious. We think about power dynamics, especially Pluto and Capricorn, because Capricorn has this mountaintop authority figure quality about it structure organization so when the sun connects with pluto it might be this moment of like bright empowerment right or it might be bright frustration it might be in your face 
what are you avoiding? What have you not been looking at, right? And for me, that's been hella procrastination. I've had a power surge of projects and creativity as the sun and moon move into my fifth house, which is ruled by Aquarius, right? So think about where Aquarius is in your chart makeup, right? Um, maybe what planets that you have in Aquarius. Uh, my friend, Kalina Clarkson, uh, her birthday is tomorrow, uh, right about when the new moon is happening. So I'm just happy for her new moon eclipsing birthday situation. But I digress. You know, think about like if your rising sign or your moon, or if you know that, you know, your moon in Capricorn is in the third house, and that means that it's very likely that Aquarius is your fourth house. Right. And you can pull your chart up on astro.com. I've been using that uh, for the duration of my astrological career. Thanks, mom, to Diane Pioneer, Star Weaver, my mother. <laughs> uh, you know, when you get when you get a, 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 a like a program that just makes sense to you or the way that the charts look, it's really hard to switch over, especially when you have a catalog of almost a thousand uh, names and charts <laughs> within your database. Um, but you can look up at astro.com or astro-charts.com and type in your birth details, right? And see what you come up with. Or just get in touch with me. We'll see what we can come up with together. But when a, a sun moves through a season in our personal makeup, it starts to alert and awake things that are happening within our own life and themes and um, I guess the theater stages, right? Like, so the houses sort of represents the arena of experience. And so the fifth house, creativity, romance, risk-taking, um, karma, <laughs> uh, so the sun has just entered that field for me and I've just had this creative burst of energy and a lot to do, a lot of discombobulation, uh, to use a Wisconsin word, um, recombobulated, discombobulated as I, um, move from one state to the next, not the state of Wisconsin, but the state of my being, my life the space, the space specifically being my studio getting dismantled as I move out of the Lincoln warehouse after a year of residency in that space. Maybe more on that later, but um, things are kind of rattled up and my priorities are kind of set in a skew because of teaching this past weekend and because school starting next week and my internship starting there's just so many starts and ends and that can create a lot of like disorganization, right? So you make lists and then you tell yourself to do something and then you end up doing something else. You find your body doing laundry or painting, which has been my thing this week or binge watching shameless. <laughs> I'm just using myself as an example because that's my that's my context, right? But procrastination has been the theme coming up for me. And you know, I wonder what power and what 
subconscious tendencies are coming up in your life, right? The last couple days, the last week, maybe there's been stuff happening that can give you some great insight into what's ahead and what you should be working on. Or maybe what you should not be working on. Maybe it's just about being. The important thing about Aquarius is authenticity and the willingness to dare to be exactly who and what you are. And I've been meditating on that a lot this week because I don't really feel like I came into myself until the last couple of years. And I'll be... 39 at the end of this March. And do you dream about your old boyfriends or girlfriends or partners, lovers? I dream about my high school boyfriend a lot. And I don't know, for some reason, high school or those years in our lives um, tend to be really just... um, they leave a mark. It's like a tattoo of an entire time period that you can't quite shake. And I don't know what kind of um, personal trauma experiences, whatever you want to call them, right? Life things, life's lifing. Things that happened to me that made me want to conform or want to fit in or want to do my own thing. I was writing plays as early as like eight or nine years old and trying to direct my friends to read them aloud to the class and no one ever performed them the way that I wanted them to. I used to hide in my tiny closet in my bedroom, my childhood bedroom, and I would write. And I don't know, I got made fun of a lot. I got bullied a lot. Um... You know, sometimes I'd get punched enough that I would end up telling on the boys that were beating me up, end up in the principal's office trying to make amends with shameful brown and blue eyes of these children. And I think about the girls who would tell me to eat dog food, you know, or the boy at the pool who said I was ugly and looked like wharf. <laughs> Those things mark us, right? Childhood marks us. And it's funny to be talking about being a late bloomer myself because that is that is Aquarius. Aquarius is the late bloomer. A delayed sense of flowering. Um, whatever fruition looks like for each of us. And that can be different aspects of our lives, you know. Um, you know, I've met people who they bloomed in high school or they bloomed in their 20s or in their 70s, right? We all have our different experiences of when we feel this fullness and the fruition. And the chance to come back to that and to be perennial in our blooming process is a matter of staying in the moment and moving with flow and with the electricity of the universe, and following our path, whatever feels the most true to us. And when we hold on to this ideal or we stay in a past period of our life, it can, it can grip us. 
you know, what about my glory days, right? Think about uh, Ed Bundy. Maybe I'm dating myself with Married with Children, but Ed Bundy was always talking about high school and being a quarterback and that throw. And it was, it was a trope, the glory days, Ed Bundy, this football. And then a shoe salesman, right, in the suburbs with his family, longing for the good old days, right? And we can do that or we can choose to (laughs) remain relevant, right? Uh, I did a lot of chalk art in Des Moines, Iowa, and and often I would would, uh, write jokes about um, I can't draw for shits, but I can I can write. So I would say like, um, how do I how do I remain relevant? How do we stay relevant? And we see it in other people, right? We try to keep up with memes and uh, TikTok or uh, trends, language, TV shows. Um, it's all too much these days. It's it's a lot. It's a fuck ton. And I come back again and again to past time periods. You know, what would it be like to live in the 14th century with no electricity? How much contact would you have? Right? What what would your dreams mean to you if you weren't constantly inundated with information and sparkly and shiny and choices and choices and choices and just being like so wrapped up in all the options that we have that we do today, what would it be like to have it that much simpler? Granted, uh, 14th century sounds pretty fucking terrifying, you know, based on like disease and lack of soap in some cultures and (laughs) uh, hygiene and, you know, lifespan and childbirth and all the terrifying things, right? But what what would it be like to be understimulated. You know, Capricorn makes me think about going on retreat. Maybe Aquarius is what insights that we receive from that time apart from the world. Who would we be if we were alone? And that's what I wondered about myself as a teenager was what would it what would I have been like if I constantly weren't looking for affirmation from other people outside of me. And I I recognize my own neuroses, believe you me, I am well aware of my codependency, of the people-pleasing tendency of not knowing who I was. I had zero identity. I just Pisces mooned my way through the world and I adopted and the affect of other people, I would switch and pause and move into other, other groups and identities, just seeking myself, seeking some kind of solace under the umbrella of a trope of a cliche. And I don't know, I I like to try on different things. And I remember getting made fun of about that as well. You know, that one day I would be a hippie and one day I'd be a punk and next day I'd be a goth kid or metal kid or rock and roll or 
who fucking cares, right? Like, shouldn't we all get a chance to experiment? And yet I was the one getting the, the most shit about it because I wore it on my sleeve. <laughs> Ugh, fuck those kids. Oh my gosh, I feel terrible for anybody who's 13 right now. If you're 13 years old and listening to this podcast, you get a free like 20 minute reading with me for sure. I will, I will hold up to that. So you just be in touch with me. <laughs> we'll make it happen. I just... I feel you. And I think about my 13-year-old self every day. And I really feel that that is who I uphold my standards for. That is who I make choices for. Would my 13-year-old self be proud? Because if you're 13 and going through this, you know, Saturn cycle and Uranus cycle and all the cycles, all the things that you're experiencing. Welcome to this world. And just get through your first progressed moon cycle, get to your first Saturn return before you make any big crazy decisions. Just focus on being you. Just focus on the quality of your joy and your relationships and your connections and what feels real, right? We have to conform to a certain extent and fit into the boxes and kind of meet the needs of what our culture demands, but we can do it and bend the rules and make it work for us. Or maybe carve out a whole new path altogether. Be the change. That's the Aquarian age. That's the the, the credo for the Aquarian age, be the change that you wish to see in the world. Mohandas Gandhi said that in some iteration or another. I've seen different translations of it. What you want to be, you wish to be, just be the change. Which means that we get to embody. And, you know, the, the, the words for Aquarius, um, it's, you know, be, be a rebel. And then there's different levels of rebel. Rebel without a cause. Rebel with a cause. Rebel for a cause. I think that's all I have to say about that, other than I'm glad to be a late bloomer. I really like who I've become. And it took a while for me to stay true to my path because I just wanted to fit in somewhere. I wanted to have a sense of belonging. And I'm still squirrely. I still don't trust people. You know, I mean, I, I trust too much. And I, I hide a lot of myself. But maybe that's just the human condition. You know? All right, let's talk about what I wrote for y'all. How's that sound? <laughs> New moon in Aquarius happening tomorrow, tomorrow afternoon. So January 21st, um, where I'm at in the Midwest, 2.53 p.m. Central Standard Time. We give the unknown great power. So Pluto has a big impact with this particular new moon. Um, because it's conjunct with both the sun and the moon. 
So Pluto plays the role of the all-powerful subconscious. And we all seek a villain in our lives, some obstacles, some power dynamic that might say that we're weak, that we're useless, that we're not allowed allowance, permission. We're not allowed. We ask for a villain to victimize us, to mess with us, to place a door before us that has no knob. We want there to be a bad guy. Every bad guy has a role in the story, a part to play. Perhaps it just shows up as tension beneath the surface, you know, those gut aches or sore throats, those times when you feel you've been taken advantage of, when you can't speak up in the moment that you wanted to. Why we feel as if someone is watching us, that big brother energy, taking note of our every false move, a ledger of our karmic goods and bads, our deeds and misdeeds. The critic, the guard, the watchdog of our unhappiness. It's you, baby. It is all you. There's some kinky, excruciating part of us that loves to be small. I'm sure there's some humans They're not the ones listening to this lecture (laughs) that don't have that problem. Maybe they love to be big. They love to make others feel small. Those are the Plutonian types, right? Those are the ones playing the role in your story. So the part of you that needs the reins around your wrists and your neck and your torso, these ropes that give a sense of safety, maybe a sense of structure in an all too chaotic world. This new moon is a kinky one. How we love our bondage because it gives us a context of freedom. We long for freedom to be ourselves, to do what we want, when we want. Yet we equally long for a supervisor, someone to tell us what to do, when to wake up, when we have permission, what we should say. In a binary world, we can't have one without the other. So this new moon, I want you to consider who is stopping you. In every power dynamic, both roles require consent. Consent to dominate, consent to be dominated. What do you like about the boxes you've built for yourself? Is it the daydream of who you'll become when those boxes have been broken down? Why not reinvent yourself by dropping the exhausting role of gatekeeping your own freedom? What would it feel like to give yourself permission to change as you've been planning all along? Planning your escape, inventing your new identity. Who would you be if only X, Y, and Z? 
Who would you be? Who would you become? It's so easy for us to climb back into our habitual patterns, the nonsense that we've made up along the way, the story of who we are. You know, what What would life be if you were making it, right? Who's stopping you from being your truth? You know, what only you are here to become. We're all so unique, every single one of us. We're very, very, very special. And we all have a part to play in this big cacophony of existence. Right? So um, my recommended reading for this new moon is the book Existential Kink by Carolyn Elliott. If I only had a, what do they call that, an affiliate link, right? I am not that organized, I tell you what. Um, I just pulled up some of the quotes. Uh, This was a very important book for me to read this last year. And I can tell you what, I had a lot of resistance just based on the title. I felt uncomfortable with the title, which shows me how conservative my ass is. Um... You know, this is a a very intelligent, um, badass, fucking anarchist style, recovering everything. And, um, you know, the word psyche means butterfly, right? That's where it comes from, the Greek word for soul or mind, psyche, the butterfly, the transformation, That's an alchemical process. Butterflies are alchemical. They melt. They literally turn into goo between phases of of being, of form. So Carolyn Elliott says, fear is excitement without breath. And she talks so specifically about how we get turned on, right? What excites our bodies? And that's not necessarily like, sexual, right? But our bodies light up and turn on, whether we're aroused from, you know, sexual stimulation, or excitement to meet a new person? Or is it excitement about like being on stage? Or is it like being shamed? Or, right, like we get turned on by different things. And sometimes we don't give ourselves permission to like, feel okay with the things that we get off on. And that's the whole premise of this book is like allowing yourself to get off on your stupid, hidden, secret stuff that you don't want anybody to know about, right? Um, If you look at the patterns in your life, you will see everything that you need to know about who you unconsciously believe you are. For some reason, I love to have zero dollars in my bank account. And I cannot figure out why. And I look towards my chart and I see my Scorpio stellium in the second house. I see Saturn there. I see Pluto there. I see Mars there. And I try to understand like the quickness of money coming and going in my life. Um, Maybe the desire to be taken care of because of the eighth house stuff. Um, Hello, Chiron and Taurus. Wanting to be taken care of. 
Um, I don't know, right? And But I do know. There's some part of me that does know. And I feel like I just, you know, put myself out there sharing that stuff. But, you know, certainly that's a lot of what I, the work I was doing was around money and my relationship with security. Um, everything is a mirror for us. Um, having is evidence of wanting, she writes. Don't blame anyone or shame them for their experiences, right? Um, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will rule your life and you will call it fate, which Carl Jung wrote. So um, I love that she opened the book up with, uh, with Pluto, <laughs> talking about the myth of Pluto and the Greek story. Um, and, and she sort of supposes, which I'm sure has been supposed before, that uh, Demeter and Persephone, that they needed a bad guy you know, to split reality into an adventure, to create a journey. And Pluto took on that role. So it's really easy to think of Pluto as a malefic. And if you know me as an astrologer, I do not believe in malefic and benefic planets. Um, you can talk to traditional astrologers about that. There is a light and shadow to all things. What's the integrative method, right? So Pluto considered transformation, right? But what does transformation look like? Is it gentle? Is it turbulent? How does that appear in your world? What do power dynamics look like? Who do you give power to? What, what are your gods, right? So maybe as children, we think of our parents as gods. And then all of a sudden, the momologue and the dadalogue or parentalogue, whatever your journey was like, you know, that, that internal voice of criticism, of judgment, of telling you, stop that, don't do that, or you can't get what you want, right? That story of I can't have what I want. You know, what, it, what would it look like to liberate ourselves from those inner monologues, those dialogues, the bad guys within? So just, just gnaw on that, if you would, this new moon. And Aquarius, my dear. So, break for commercial. Uh, I don't have a sponsor right now, but I do want to thank the sponsors that do support me through um, a subscription program called Dragon Donna. And this is a um, $5 increment support. Uh, my dog's name is Dragon, so if you are tuning in, if you ever hear me talking about Dragon, he is my Sagittarius eight-year-old hound dog who is the love of my life. And earlier this week, he took a trip to the emergency room because he ate some garbage out of the trash, and I had to make the distinct decision to take him in and have them induce vomiting and it was a good idea because he definitely ate some things that shouldn't have been in his tummy. And thank goodness they are not in his digestive tract. So side note on Dragon, who has never done that before, but did this week. So listen to your intuition, people. My brain told me to close the door, take out the trash. I did not. And I ended up with a $250 bill. Thank you, Dragon. <laughs> he survived mouth cancer last year. Um, let's just pray for his 
good health in 2023. <laughs> Didn't start off so hot this week, but he he survived. So Dragon is my dog, Donna. D-A-N-A is a Sanskrit word for offering. And I come from a Buddhist tradition and Buddhism came from Hinduism. And often we would use the term dana as an offering to a teacher, right? So you would, you know, you pay for the retreat, right? You have a, a class, you, you take, buy the ticket, take the ride, right? But maybe that only covers so much and maybe you have more generosity or something that you wish to give the teacher, right? And that would come in the form of like a, a, a white silk or it could be money, it could be gratitude, it could be referrals. There's so many ways that Donna comes off, right? And an easy way is through the exchange of money as a thank you. So I'd like to thank my wonderful supporters, some of which who've been in the $5 a month uh, since August of 2021, right? So I'm gonna big shout out to Angela S. For that, <laughs> and Michelle S. and Amanda M., thank you. Uh, newer supporters, Alexis L., Marlena, thank you, thank you. Maggie, Maggie, hello. Uh, Anna, Anna, thank you from Moving Galaxy. Uh, Lee from the Woods, I have not met you, I don't think, but I'm grateful. Thank you for, for showing up in my, in my feed. Um, Lest we not forget Martha uh, in Des Moines and Ben B of Brooklyn, New York, um, who's basically my sponsor at this point. So thank you, Ben, for your generosity. Uh, thank you to Maid, who employed me and taught me so much about all the things and allowed me to be squirrely and ADHD as I am and support and celebrate your crew, even though they were very distrustful of a Midwesterner and my friendliness. <laughs> and Ben put up with my t-shirts that I wore to work. That's right, Ben. I, I saw your notes on my review and I still feel really weird about that, that you're sad that I wore t-shirts to work, but it was really dusty in the warehouse. And I think you can relate. And also... I'm not good at dressing myself. I'm a giant child. <laughs> thank you to my supporters. I want to thank Ashley Y and Madison, Brenna C in Des Moines, and my my sweet, sweet friend, Shana M out of Viroqua, Wisconsin. Um, thank you all for your support. The occasional tippers, I appreciate you. You can hit me up on Venmo. I'll put a link in the stories. Uh, stories, come on come on, in the podcast notes. Uh, you can hit me up at Venmo um, at Lauren K. Hickman. You can sign up for Dragon Donna, which um, just, you know, pulls five bucks out of your account every month and gives me about 450 of it. So thank you to uh, everyone for showing up for me. It means a lot. Um, you can join Dragon Donna on my website, a new website. Hello. Want to thank Somo Studios, um, Maggie Goldhammer specifically of Somo Studios, who helped me over the past year create a name for my business, uh, branding, logo, identity, clarification, 
who the fuck am I? And then all this beautiful design work and templates and really shaping the soul of my online presence, right? Um, I didn't realize how important it was to have this kind of imprint, but in a visual time and in a digital culture, it's very, very important to have some fly looking uh, branding um, because not everybody can meet me. They can see my stuff and then see if they, they dig me or not. <laughs> so, um, you know, Ursa Day has, has been in the works for over 10 years I actually have a passport um, with that as my alias. Uh, talking about New Moon and Aquarius and the name, like how do you give yourself a name? Who am I? What do I want to be called? Ren, Lauren, Dorje? I don't know. I'm just me. I'll let you know when I figure it out, huh? Ursa means bear in Latin and... I think bear energy has surrounded my life and past lives, if you believe in reincarnation and such. Um, we have everything that we need within us. And it takes time to bear, haha, bear that truth. And this past weekend, I um, came to a very large culmination point for myself as Jupiter hit the descendant angle close to my sun, as Mars hit my north node, as Jupiter sat on my Mercury. Um, everything's coming together. Mercury was on my Jupiter. I have to put it the other way around, to be honest, but um, or to correct myself. Uh, I taught Reiki first degree uh, there are different levels of Reiki because Westerners really don't understand the martial history of just sort of coming into your own through a natural progression. Um, we have been awarded too many stickers and too many awards and ribbons. Um, we need to, to have a, a certificate. And I handed those out this past weekend, but that's more of a formality. I digress, but you know, Anybody can be a Reiki practitioner and we can develop our own energy healing path just through relating with the natural life force energy that surrounds us. That is what the word Reiki means. Um, I am a white girl. It is not above my head that I utilize a Japanese born method of natural healing. However, my Irish British roots have been colonized into submission, whitewashed, literally, uh, herbalism and natural nature and relationship with the earth, all those cycles and things like it's a reclamation process for me that my whole life has been trying to connect with the ancestors, with the, the history, the innate of our human culture. And I think it's, it's part of my path as a Uranus and Sagittarius to sort of bring all of that together um, through the path of ageless wisdom, which is acknowledging that there is truth, there is fact, there is spirit in every single human perspective, in every religion, in every spiritual faith, devotional practice, whatever it is, there is truth 
within those boundaries. And there's just way too many ways to be human for one person to say this is the right way of doing it. Reiki has been a pathway for me that has opened up flow and trust and understanding of universal processes without necessarily needing to know the why. I am but one facet of a massive billion faceted mirror ball of existence. And I can only see from the angle that I'm pointing at, right? But I can reflect light because that is my job as a facet of a mirror ball. (laughs) And so too is yours. So understanding how to trust life force energy and that there are things outside of our control and there are things within our control and that we can do our best every day and that we can respect other beings, that we can honor their processes, that we don't have to meddle in the affairs of others, that we can trust that things are going to unfold, that we don't know what is right or what is wrong. We don't know what's good or what's bad. A shitty thing happens and maybe something amazing happens later on down the road because of that. If it's not a happy ending, the story is not over yet. So I've adopted this pathway that was brought over from Japan through Hawaii by Master Lady Takata who try to translate this tradition to American students who are incredibly flawed, just are as other human beings are. Um, if I, if I had access to traditional Japanese teachers, um, I would bring them here. Right. And maybe that's part of my path is to ask for traditional teachers, but I will teach because I, it is my calling. And this past weekend, I, taught uh, seven students, um, professionals. I mean, these were, these were really incredible and intelligent human beings who are in the service industry, who work in health and healthcare and holistic and allopathic. I mean, it was such a diverse and gorgeous group of human beings. Um, I learned so much about um, trust and about asking for help Uh, because I didn't get to finish my training with the teacher that I would have chosen to finish my training. And that's been part of my path is creating a boundary with somebody who taught me everything that I knew. And now I get to step into my own and to draw upon my well, my wisdom that's always been there, that I didn't need to serve or placate another person or try to be something that I wasn't. It's more important that I express who I am and the wisdom of my journey and helping others to see their own. So this weekend taught me a lot about trust and that my crazy life that I've lived, the very many iterations of it, I feel like I've lived 12 different lifetimes at this point, Um, that somehow uh, it's all come together and it made sense finally. And it was such an incredible gift. And I'm so, so, so very privileged that I 
have had the teachers that I've had. I'm thankful to every teacher that I've had on this journey. And I'm grateful to step into that role myself. I think other people saw me as a teacher before I knew that I was. So thank you for trusting me, (laughs) listening uh, 48 minutes in. Uh, I hope that that this has given you some peace, maybe something to crunch on, maybe just keeping you company while you're literally crunching carrots or whatever you're eating. Um, I hope this Aquarius season brings you so much insight and weirdness, and I hope that you do weird things and be exactly who you are because you're the only one that will ever exist. Thank you for joining me. This is Lauren of Ursaday. You can find me at www.ursaday.us or find me on Instagram at ursaday underscore 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 or you can type in my name, Lauren K. Hickman. Thank you for supporting this work. This is the Inspired Astrology Podcast. Please like and subscribe. Let people know about me. Pass this on. Hopefully this work has touched you as it has touched my soul to share it with you. So thank you for spending this time with me. Stay inspired.